From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm hanging in there. You know, it's 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 sort of a process. So, but I'm doing okay. Good. So, Good. Um, yeah. So, so I know you're getting ready to head off to Walt's Park Disneyland. Yes, I am. So uh, I will be there. When is this releasing? This is releasing on the... <laughs> I'm already there. You're already there. I'm yeah, already by the there. time yes, we record I'm, this. We're yeah, recording been, a bit early. Yes. No, I've been, um, I've been enjoying my time in California so far. It's, uh, it's been a great time. The weather has been wonderful, and <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm thinking that's how it's been. Good. Yeah. Yeah. For all we know, folks listening to the show have already been seeing you and hanging out with you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So anyway, well, I hope you are having a good time in Walt's Park. When do I never have a good time? I know. I know. It's it's hard not to. And you're you're seeing it before, you know, the the last the last days of, of sweet little Disneyland before Galaxy's Edge opens and that park will never be the same. I know. I don't I don't think I'm getting another chance in between now and the opening, so this really is the last one. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, you know, I, I'll be going down there in May, as we mentioned last week. Uh, we have the uh, Waltland bus tour with Bob Gurr, which is May 19th. And uh, so I hope that our Connecting with Walt listeners will be joining me on that great tour. Uh, some of the places that Bob, who of course is a, a was a Disney Imagineer, he helped build Disneyland and pretty much everything on wheels there. And, uh, you know, and he's a Disney legend. He is going to, you know, he takes you on this narrated tour of significant places in Walt's life. So some of the, some of the places we'll be going by is Walt and Roy's Homes on Lyric Avenue. We'll stop and walk. Of course, those are the homes we talked about that um, they basically were those old kit homes that you know people used to get back in the day, and you know you, you and and you built them. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to the Hyperion Studio site. We're going to stop and walk there. I mean, I guess if you need something, you can go to the Gelsons and pick up some groceries. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to go by the Hyperion Studios bungalows. Well, of course, we're going to go on to Griffith Park um, Carousel and merry-go-round. 
walk around there. We'll go to um, the Walt Disney's barn, you know, in the museum, and we'll go inside there. Of course, I always say that's if you want to connect with Walt, that's the place to go because, you know, Walt built it, you know, he worked in there, you know, he shaved in the mirror there in the sink, uh, you know, washed his hands in there, he did everything. I mean, he touched, you know, all the work benches and everything. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely a special place. We're going to go to Mapo, you know, and stop and walk there. We're going to stop by Imagineering. I don't think you go inside. We're going to stop and walk there and hear his great stories. Something that they added a while back was the Grand Central Air Terminal, where Bob just lived just a few blocks from there. And he was a little boy and would go there. And um, I believe, did I, and, and then Imagineering now, that's on their property and they've restored it. And there's even some Ken Weber um, furniture in there as well. Um, going by DreamWorks and ABC TV. Going to go by WDI Research and Development. And then, of course, the Walt Disney Studios. And lunch is provided. And so I hope you'll be joining us. So, of course, you can sign up for the May 19th um, Waltland Tour by going to waltland.com and use the Diz Unplugged um, discount code. So in all lowercase letters, enter UNPLUGGED in order to get a discount. And the discount also applies to a swinging wake celebrating 50 years of the Haunted Mansion, which is Saturday, September 28th, that Bob will also um, be um, hosting as well. And of course, wear your Connecting with Walt or Diz shirts because, you know, we want to get a group photo, you know, with Bob and all of us wearing our shirts. So it will be a lot of fun. And, you know, maybe I can chime in even with um, a few little facts here and there as we go around. But, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to interrupt Bob. So and then I will be (laughs) at Disneyland on uh, May 18th as well. So I hope I'll see you there. So, and um, I'm also going to the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet up in Linwood, Washington, July 27th, 28th. So, also, if you, so if you're going up there, let me know. You know, maybe we can get together, have a little, you know, informal connecting with Walt meetup up there. So, so that's about everything that's sort of going on in the next, you know, few weeks or months. Busy, so, busy time. It is, it is a busy time, and of course, I'll be. Going to a whole lot of stuff going on at the Walt Disney Family Museum as well. So, well, since this, since during this week that the show is um, going up, Craig and I are traveling. As I mentioned, Craig will be heading off to Disneyland with other members of the Diz team, and uh, my family and I are laying Carol's remains to rest at. Holy Cross Cemetery near San Francisco on the day we would normally record the show. So Craig, this is actually Craig's suggestion, you know, as a tribute to Carol, you know, and her work to support me and my research uh, for the Disney Unplugged podcast, Disneyland edition and connecting with Walt. And as a, as a remembrance of her participation with the Diz, we're going to rebroadcast the first lady show of the Diz Unplugged podcast, Disneyland edition. And this is a recurring feature on that Disneyland show. And it often included many familiar faces or her voices at the time, uh, like Mary Jo Mulata-Willie, uh, Nancy Johnson, Luella Lariola, and Carol Bowling. 
So for those of you who knew Carol, we hope this brings back many happy memories. And if you've never met Carol, here's your opportunity. So enjoy the show. And remember, it's a great day to be alive. I'm your host, Nancy Johnson, and with me today is Mary Jo Milano-Willie and Carol Bowling. Carol is joining us now for our ladies' episodes, which is what we are about to do today. Hello, team. Hello. Hi, Nancy. Hey, welcome, Carol. Carol is the lovely spouse of our own Michael Bowling, <laughs> and we thought we could have a chance now, um, on a regular basis, to give the mom kind of perspective and the grandma perspective and and all of those touchy feely perspectives that sometimes we don't get a chance to do on our main our main grouping. So today we're going to get started on our ladies only segments. And we're going to introduce and talk a little bit about us. I mean, you know Mary Jo and I, but Carol is our new friend on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm so new. Um, you know, first of you all, know I'm, I mean. I'm the oldest one here. But uh, if anybody's ever been on the um, on the podcast cruises, I've been on quite a few of those, and so and and I have been around uh, with uh, my husband at m- many of the different dis events so yep and certainly we've talked about you enough on the show on the show on a regular basis so there we go so after introducing we thought maybe we'd talk about doing trips and planning trips and handling all the aspects of doing a disneyland vacation or a disneyland visit from our unique perspectives so let's start with carol Okay. (laughs) Let's start with Carol's introduction. So, Carol, tell everybody a little bit about about your perspective. What gives you... Well, first of all, I'd like to know, when was the first time Carol went to Disneyland? Oh, that's true. Boy, I went to Disneyland um, when when I was a little girl. Um, You know, like first grade, I think it's the first time I remember going. Um, My dad was a school teacher in San Francisco, and they used to have um, school teacher days in Disneyland, and they had the magic, no, the key club, um, the magic key club, um, where the tickets, instead of getting the um, A, the a, you know, the A booklets and, and all that, they, mm-hmm. um, they had uh, these little booklets that were just, uh, they were, I remember they were green and they had a gold key on them and you could go on any ride you wanted with those keys and it was all for um, school teachers. So um, in first grade, I remember my mom and my dad and my um, two sisters at that time because my other uh, brothers weren't born yet and we all went and I distinctly can remember riding Small World. It's funny how wow. that's the one that's the one ride that absolutely sticks in my mind from that very first ride and you know, it's not like today where people take, you know, how, like when I go with my granddaughter, we take like a hundred pictures, you know, <laughs> of her with, with <laughs> every character and doing everything. But in those days, you know, in the olden days, um, in the early 60s, um, we probably have, you know, maybe three or four pictures from those trips. You know what I mean? It just, yeah. it just wasn't like it is today. So, uh, and so some of them very, were slides, right? 
Um, I know we a lot of really, our Yeah, we weren't too into the slides, but, um, you know, we had the little square pictures <laughs> with the dates at the bottom. It's pretty funny to think back that long. So, yeah. But, or, you, or, you know, you didn't take pictures, but you got the Viewmaster reels. Oh, I remember Viewmasters. <laughs> that was a big deal, though. Even in, when you were in Disneyland, that would be one of the souvenirs that we'd all really want was the pack the of, I think it would be like three different Viewmaster reels. So, You know... And having those and not realizing what we had at the time, I would kill to have my set of Viewmaster reels from back then. Yeah. from 19, Mine were from 1972. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, Carol, so, what, how, how old were Well, not how old were you, excuse me. Um, when What year was the first year you went to Disneyland? I'm thinking it's probably 1964 um, is probably the first time I went. Um, it's certainly the first time I remember going. I don't know if we went before that, but 64 is, is the year I can remember going. Um, so it's a small world was brand new. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really, really big deal. So, um, and then as we would go a couple times, um, we didn't, uh, it certainly isn't like today when like we go on a trip. I mean, when we would go, we would go for like a half a day, um, cause my dad would be in one of the conventions. Um, we would, we rarely ate in the park. Um, my mom would always have a cooler of food in the car, you know, cause we, in those days we would just come straight in, you know, the parking lot was right at the front gate, you know? And mm-hmm. so we could walk out and sit in the, in the back of the car and, uh, have lunch. Um, they used to have some picnic tables to the side and sometimes we'd eat over there, but, um, you know, and I can also remember, it's funny, my my mom was so smart, um, she would always have little, uh, like, gifts that she had bought ahead of time, but we didn't know that. And <laughs> and then she would buy, like, one coloring book, which would give us one of the big bags, <laughs> and she would put all the stuff inside of it, and then um, those would be our souvenirs. So, um, it's just funny how you remember those things. Uh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't thought about that in a long time, so... Um, well, and that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, and then, um, we went, um, we would go, you know, we came down from San Francisco. So it was, you know, it was a long drive in those, you know, in that, in that era. Um, we didn't have quite the road systems that we do now in California. So it took us, you know, a long time to get down there. And, um, we would go probably maybe once every two or three years. I mean, it would, there would be dis, you know, considerable distance in between, our um, trips, unlike now where, you know, we take our granddaughter a couple times a year. Um, so I think that, um, and we did that probably through like about eighth grade um, for me. We would go like every two or three years. So, um, and then I didn't go for quite a long time. Um, I kind of had a long period. And then in college, you know, a couple road trips uh, would happen with some friends and, um, We'd go, um, and then and then Michael and I, you know, started dating, and so um, we had many different trips down to Disneyland. So um, I distinctly oh. remember, um, you know, celebrating birthdays with him down there. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, oh, I have some good stories, but I'm not sure we want to get into those yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those will come. <laughs> we have lots of time. <laughs> Not on this show, but we do have lots of time. Well, that's really cool. Now, when was your last trip with the kid, with your granddaughter? 
Um, so when was the last time you were at the park recently? Actually, the last the last trip was not with our granddaughter. Our last trip was for Dapper Days. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, and I saw both of you down there. Mm-hmm. But our, yeah. but our next trip. Um, so that was just what what about how long ago? I think that was February, Month. wasn't it? Yeah, it was and a half. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but we're going down in um, another. Actually, exactly a month from today, um, we'll be there because uh, a month from today is, is um, our granddaughter Lexi's uh, fifth birthday. So um, we we have a tradition um, that when she turned two, um, I, I think some of you will, well, first of all, many of you remember Lexi. We talk about Lexi a lot. She's what we call the podcast 1.0 baby. She was yeah. born during that cruise. I but, remember um, that announcement. Yeah, it was a big, yeah. big deal. So um, Pete made a big fuss about it. It was yeah. wonderful. Um, but uh, then um, when she turned two, um, prior to her turning two, I had come down with cancer and... Um, had been very, very sick and, and was going through some really very difficult chemo. And I used to say to all the nurses, I'm going to ride in Dumbo with my granddaughter. And, um, so on her second birthday, um, I was in Dumbo with my granddaughter and it was a very, very special moment, um, for her and for me and actually for Michael. So, um, we have, we have celebrated each year, with um with a ride in Dumbo with Grandma and Lexi. And um so that tradition will continue in just about a month. So Yay. that's wonderful. I love stories like that. It just makes me all tingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the cool part of Disney. It's is I'm sitting here it's funny, this is sort of like my show right now. But uh <laughs> I am um, here I'm remembering back uh getting so nostalgic about going, you know, so, so long ago with my own family. And now um, I have this incredible tradition uh, of going with my granddaughter. And I think that's what's so cool about Disney for a lot of people is that there's a lot of tradition. Um, If you get the opportunity to um, go there, you know, more than one time, I mean, you really do create these family traditions. And, um, and that's, I know you guys have the opportunity to go there a lot. And, and now, you know, Michael and I tend to go, you know, quite a, certainly quite a bit compared to, um, what, um, I used to go or even, you know, my family and friends up here, they, they all are surprised that we get down there, you know, a couple times during the year. But, um, I think that even like when I was going only once every two to three years, we still had our traditions as a family of what we would do. And, um, I think that that's what makes Disneyland those are those special magical moments that people talk about um, within their own families. That's true. So what was one of your traditions? One of the traditions that we have right now, and it still continued, um, it didn't start when I was a kid, but it started when Michael and I, uh, you know, Michael and I started dating really early. I and mean, we were teenagers when we started dating. So, mm-hmm. um, but one of the things that we did um, on one of, it was one of his birthdays, we bought an ornament and, you know, by that point we were pretty serious and we bought an ornament. And then, um, after that, every year we, um, were in Disney, we would always buy an ornament and we would have a date put on it and our names. And even to this, even now, um, with our children, um, we have, we buy Disney ornaments and we put their names on him and we have the year on it. And so when the kids, you know, became adults and moved out and had their own 
um, places when they moved out, they moved out with a box full of ornaments. Wow. To start their own Christmas traditions. And, um, we still, you know, we still to this day, there's always an ornament with their name on it, um, in their stocking. And, um, so I, I mean, I have ornaments that date back well into the eighties, um, for Michael and I. So that's pretty, um, that's a pretty cool tradition to have. And, and when we pull them out, we always, we can always tell what was the, you know, when the kids were younger, what was the best movie out? I mean, gosh, uh, Little Mermaid, we have a ton of Ariel and, and then our son really, um, he, he liked, I, I'm trying to think of who he liked, but I mean, we have Stitch. I mean, we get, you could kind of tell what the best movie was <laughs> at the time. And, and of course this year, we already have our tangled ornament for Lexi because she loves tangled. So, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a frozen one coming up. So, um, you know, you could, it, you kind of can see some, a uh, little bit of history of Disney by our uh, ornament collection. What about you guys? What, what, what kind of uh, traditions do you have? Well, for me, oh, I grew up, um, gosh, I've lived here since I was two and we have family in El Paso, Texas. And when they would come out, we would always go to Disneyland. So I was, it, it was uh, kind of uncommon to go to Disneyland once a year, you know, especially back in, in those days. In the, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the 60s, 70s. Um, you just, people just didn't go to Disneyland like they do today. At least the people that we knew. And, but we would go, it was a big thing. We would go sometimes three times a year. And people, I remember my friends in school saying, wow, three times and, <laughs> and it being a big thing. And we used to have, a uh, a strategy our family would come out and of course in those days they didn't have fast passes and they only had one park and we would go for the day so we would be there before rope drop and we would be there until the park closed and we would start off on main street adventureland we would go into they used to have the uh, indian village oh yeah in those days remember that oh i do yeah and that was so much fun. And then later on, they had uh, New Orleans Square, of course, and then Frontierland, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland. And we, for us, that strategy always worked. And we knew where all the, the rides were and everything. And um, we really didn't have a lot of money. So going to Disneyland was our, you know, we didn't really buy souvenirs. I think we, we would get a balloon. And I don't remember churros, but I do remember popcorn. And in those days, my mom would make tuna sandwiches or what sandwiches, and we would go to the parking lot. Like, so when you were saying that you used to go to the parking lot and eat, that reminded me so much of when we used to go to the parks because that's what we did. Yeah. My mom would make the sandwiches, and we would go to the, our car and eat lunch, and then go back to the parks. And but but Mary Jo, it, I think that you know it was like I always remember that in those days, like people didn't need a fast food restaurants. I mean, that's you true. know. We, we definitely, there was, it just seemed normal to go out into the parking lot and eat your sandwiches, you know? Yeah, it, it was a, I, I think I remember I was already an adult my, with, when my kids were small. My cousins came out from Texas and we went to Disneyland as usual and they wanted to eat at the French market. I had never eaten at the French market. To me, that was a grown up, that was a whole restaurant. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, they want to eat at a restaurant. <laughs> I was I all ready that- to make sandwiches, you know, and and it's just, you know, fam- things had changed. And so I remember eating there and I was thinking, 
I like eating in restaurants at Disneyland, <laughs> you know. So my, my parents didn't like the tiki room, I guess, for some reason. And they told us it was an adult bar and that we couldn't go in there <laughs> until we were 21. And I can, I honest to God, I don't think I went into that until I was, I think it was like I went on one of my college trips. I didn't know that the tiki room was the singing birds. <laughs> that is so funny. Cause Nancy, what about you? Crazy. Cause you came from way out of well, town. You know, I'm, I love, well, I love listening to you guys talk about, you know, having Disneyland throughout your childhood, because really, I only came once as a child in 1972, I was six, and so we didn't have that. We had a lot of those same traditions back in St. Louis, because we would go to Six Flags, that was our only theme park, it was effectively like driving from Burbank to Anaheim, because it was that far out, and you went on a school trip or you went maybe once during the summer and that was that was going to a theme park and we had our lunches we didn't eat in the park you know same thing so very different yet the same as you guys but for me my traditions in Disneyland started with a trip out um for the 40th anniversary you know i was a Walt Disney World girl because growing up in St. Louis and then all, not going to a theme park. And then all of a sudden when I was 23, I went to Disney World for the first time because it was like a two hour plane flight. And so I developed a lot of traditions there. My first Disneyland though was for the 40th anniversary. They, the Disney company actually held its own, um, Disney and a collector convention, not very different from D23 events at all. And came out, got to ride Indiana Jones before it opened. You know, we went to an amazing, like, private party for all the convention goers in the park, you know, with tables, lining Adventureland, things like that. So that's really my first adult experiences. Now, as a child, you know, you guys have heard me talk about the story with um, hiding my head in the tour guide yeah. lady's lap oh, yeah. when I was six on Pirates because I was too scared. And, oh, I was scared of uh, going on the Jungle Cruise, too, because the animals. <laughs> and the gunshot. And, the, yeah, so, so my brother went on that without me. But Small World, that was my passion as a child. Small World and the 101 Dalmatians movie. That, those were my two big, big impressions um, from Disneyland. See what, I, see, what I think is so cool is here we are reminiscing. Okay, each one of us is yeah. reminiscing about, you know, our early childhood and these trips that we took. And, and I know, like for me, a lot of people will ask me, you know, at what age should I take my kids to Disneyland? You know, how early is too early? And I guess... What I'm hearing all of us saying is, um, it's each one of us has, you know, we have memories of being with our families and, yeah. and it's not necessarily the actual Disneyland, you know, or, you know, like now I look at Disneyland from the architecture and I, and I right, have yeah. a very different perspective of it now. And, um, but what we, what I'm hearing all of us say is just these family moments that we had. And that we treasure, I mean, that have imprinted us to become mm -hmm. the people that we are today um, from those early moments of 
being with our family and eating, you know, tuna fish or peanut butter jelly sandwiches sitting in, you know, the back of a station wagon in a parking lot, you know, and, and just how incredible those just, I think that's that there's, because Disney is so family oriented, um, and it's mm-hmm. still really, even in this, you know, go, go, you know, age that we live in, um, it just, um, it still has that moment of you walk in the park and, and you're taken away um, from whatever, you know, whatever troubles you carry in or whatever your life is at that moment. When you come into the park, you have that, you do have that transformation that sort of does happen that Walt wanted us all to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, it, you know, saying, you know, we've, we have special memories for the fact that I don't know when you started taking your kids, Mary Jo, but Zoe was in the park when she was three days old, four days old. I would bet she doesn't remember that. No, she doesn't. <laughs> even though we have an adorable picture of me holding her up in front of the castle. <laughs> but, um, well, we came in to have lunch with a friend of ours who worked there and, you know, it just happened to be, you know, the show off the baby kind of thing. <laughs> and, People didn't even know we had a baby because we had her in a sling, and it was a very nondescript sling. And you know, people would go, "Is there a baby in there?" But oh my gosh. <laughs> but see, what's interesting is Zoe has probably heard that story now quite a few times, and now she has her own memories of that mm-hmm. event, even though she can't remember that event. But she will remember that through the stories. Yeah, you tell. And she found her toes at Disneyland too, oh. in down by Pooh, <laughs> in in Critter Country. <laughs> I mean, it just it's amazing to me because yeah. I guess in some ways it it go it harkens back to you know truly those old days where people used to sit around and you know um, the the elders of the family would tell the family history and stories to the to their you know, to the young children. And that would be the entertainment of the family. And here, you know, Disney has that same kind of legacy and history of um, families telling, you know, passing on to their own children and to their, to now for me, to my granddaughter, um, that legacy of, gosh, you know, I remember when I, you know, rode Small World and yes, I remember this was my favorite doll in this, you know, in the ride. What's your favorite doll? And so you have Mm -hmm. that incredible connection of history um, in a place that, you know, a small child can understand that. So I think that's really part of the incredible magic, again, that Disney creates for for families to go to this, um, you know, to this just place. And, And I certainly don't have that same... I mean, I have good memories of state fairs with my family or even we went to, you know, Great America opened when I was in high school. But um, but it's there's something incredibly, um, his, you know, the his, like my husband loves the history. Right. But to mm-hmm. me, it's the family history that weaves in and out and and brings back all those incredibly happy memories that, you know, that really yep. takes me back to what Walt says in that plaque when you walk through the gate, you know. Very true, very true. So let's go from here to talking about how we approach our visits to Disneyland these days. You know, we've talked about our family history, but 
now as we go to make more of these historical moments for us, um, how do we get set? How do we do it? Now, Carol, you come from the longest distance. Right. Um, so you have more of a traditional planner planning as you know, a lot of our listeners can relate to you for that fact. I mean, Mary Jo and I live, you know, a hop, skip and a jump away, you know, it doesn't mean we don't occasionally plan and pack for an overnighter, um, or a special event kind of thing, but you have so much to do with your special travel needs and, you know, having a granddaughter to pack for. Well, you know, some of that I do and some of that I don't do because, you know, my granddaughter lives in the area similar to what you guys do. So she's usually coming up from, from that area. Uh But yeah, I mean, I, I'm about, mm, we're like a nine hour car ride, you know, maybe a little less depending um, but that includes stopping, and boy, my husband has to stop for me multiple <laughs> times. Um, you know, and we'll, you know, because it's such a long ride for me, uh, you know, we have to stop and eat lunch along the way. So, um, I, I mean, talk about planning. I know where the really good bathrooms are along the, even the roadway to uh, to Disneyland. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we, you know, we're definitely the, the car travelers, and I think a lot of people are, you know, when they're coming to Disneyland – there's quite a radius of people that are coming by car. Um, and, you know, similar to anybody who's coming from even on a plane, I mean, we have to look at what are the hotel availabilities and, you know, where do we want to stay? Is this a special event that we're coming for or is this just a weekend, um, you know, for like a family gathering? And that makes a big difference in like where we're going to stay, um, you know, what our budget's going to be that we want to spend for the for the weekend. Um, we also look at what the time of year is, um, because there's different events that are happening or, um, the timing of the park. Um, cause like even when we come in a month, it's before the summer hours. So, um, I didn't realize that the fireworks only go off on, um, on the weekends, you know, and the parks are closing at, you know, yeah. nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. So, um, that all has to be factored in. So I definitely am like all those other crazy people out there. <laughs> my, even for a simple weekend, I create a spreadsheet and, um, <laughs> but I have to, for me, because I'm, I'm an oxygen user, I'm on oxygen 24 hours a day. I have to think about the fact that if I'm staying at a hotel that's, you know, not the Grand or the Disneyland Hotel, or even those two, actually. If I'm in the park, how long am I going to be in the park? What's the, you know, because I have medical needs that I have to address. And so I have to be aware of kind of what are the events that we're going to be looking at. Um, I have a question, Carol. Mm -hmm. So when you stay, let's say that you're not going to stay at one of the Disneyland Resort hotels. Right. Do you contact the hotel ahead of time to let them know? Um, that you're coming so that are there any special preparations that the hotel has to do? Um, my, um, as far as for me, I, um, because I have, um, medicine that has to be refrigerated, I need to have a, a hotel room that has a refrigerator. A, a refrigerator is different than an ice box. Um, and anybody who's ever been on a cruise will know that, um, there are many of the hotels and, and certainly cruise lines, they will have, um, what's like a little dorm refrigerator, but it's not a true refrigerator. It just keeps things somewhat cold. I have, um, I need to have a true refrigerator because I need to keep medication at a specific, um, 
coldness, I guess, temperature. Um, I also, because I'm on oxygen, I must inform the hotel um, that I do use oxygen and I will be storing oxygen tanks in the hotel room. Oh. Uh, because if there was a fire, um, yep. oxygen is explosive. And yes. So um, you, I have to inform them of that. Um, but that's, you know, that's fine. There's never an issue with that. Um, I usually get a handicap room, so, um, that's, that's not a problem. So I was, I had never thought of it before and it just came to my mind right now. Yeah. So actually it's a good point, you know, that people who have special questions and special needs really need to consider that. I mean, someone who's simply diabetic versus having, say, the oxygen need, they still have to ask the same questions. You know, they have to say, can you refrigerate my insulin? Have you ever had so- to change hotel plans because a hotel wasn't prepared for you? Um, I've had to change because I couldn't get a handicapped room. Um you know, it's funny because I know a lot of my friends um, will say, I can't believe they gave me a handicap room. You know, oh, there's no drawer space or whatever. And I'll go, do you know how many times that I'm like, how come I can't get a handicap room? <laughs> so um, the exact opposite. It is funny. Um, but I do want to say one thing, though. It's kind of off topic. But um, if you are diabetic or you're on oxygen and you go to Disneyland and you need to store your um medical equipment you don't want to be like you don't want to be taking that stuff around with you the whole time um that you can um you can go to the first aid station i've left oxygen tanks there Um, they just take my name and um they'll store them and they also will store medication um i I didn't know that oh yeah yeah and you can um if you have any kind of um um, especially when you said diabetic it reminded me if you have any kind of medical procedure you need to do um for yourself um, yep. they will give you a room that you can actually do that in. Um, I've yep. had to mix IVs there and, um, they're wonderful. Um, also if you have, I know for myself, I've been caught where I really need to use a clean, clean bathroom. And, um, so if you have any kind of issue, you they will allow you to use a restroom right there and they are the cleanest bathrooms in the park. I want to, while you're talking about the first aid station, I just want to give them so many shout outs and kudos. I have been to the ones in both parks and the staff is amazing. Yeah. There's, you know, nurses on staff there and they have multiple private rooms, especially in the Disneyland, um, in the Disneyland area. And, I haven't been in the new... Have you been in the new first aid station in California Venture, Carol? I haven't. I usually go in the Disneyland side um, just because usually that's... I don't know why, but that's the side I'm usually on. Um, but um, you're talking about the procedure rooms, right? When you say numerous rooms? Yes. Yeah. they Yeah. How they have separated rooms and stuff right. for different, you know, medical needs right. and all that. Yeah. And also they have... Um, um, they have beds in there. If you mm-hmm. ever um, got a situation like for me, um, part of my, um, I, not only do I have cancer, but I also have another very rare disease called pulmonary hypertension. Um, and I sometimes I, I absolutely have to rest. I mean, I get to the point where, um, especially if, the, if we're dealing with, um, as the summer comes and the heat comes a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, I have to be extremely cautious of that. And of course, I overdo it. And, um, cause I don't want to miss a minute of anything. Okay. And, yeah. um, so 
Um, if you absolutely, if you get to the point where you or someone in your party is in need of taking, um, let's just say a timeout, um, they will allow you to, um, rest in one of the beds, um, for up, you know, up to an hour. And actually they would let me stay longer if I needed to. So they're phenomenal. They really, it is, it is something that I don't think people are, are, um, that aware of. And if you have a disability and you're concerned about going to Disneyland, um, or you have family members that you think, um, you know, you're concerned about, or like even grand yeah. grandparents, you know, I mean, as you look at your own family and you think, you know, there's some elderly people and maybe they wouldn't be able to make this trip. Um, please, please consider going because, um, those memories that you make with your grandchildren or yeah. with your own adult children, um, you will, you will find that, um, even if you don't go on one single ride, um, you will say, gosh, it's a lot of money to go into the park for that day. There is something there for you. And those ma- those memories and that magic is out there. And Disneyland is incredibly uh, responsible to have uh, accommodations for everyone. Very, very true. And even, you know, you're talking about elderly and such like that, even pregnant women. We get a lot of people on the boards who, you know, talk about being pregnant and I'm going to be down there and I'm going to be six months, I'm going to be seven months, you know, can I do this? Nancy, when you were pregnant, did you go to Disneyland? Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) So what did you do? Because I didn't go when I was pregnant, um, more because couldn't afford it at the time, really. But, um, yeah. and it was just not something that at the time that my, um, husband was not a gasp Disney fan. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> a lot of people are married to not Disney fans. Yeah. My husband wasn't a Disney fan until we started dating. And then all of a sudden he developed a new appreciation for what Disney can do. And yeah. So then that, that became, in fact, our first date was Disneyland. Oh, that's neat. So. So, but, so yeah, yeah. But I think pregnant, I think back to what you were saying oh about gosh. pregnancy. I mean, they definitely, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to do there. I think maybe one, one time in the, in the near future we should do, a, um, why don't we do one of these talks about, um, being pregnant in the park? Well, I don't know about being <laughs> yeah. pregnant in the park, but, um, you know, can you be, can you really have a magical day in Disneyland without going on a ride? And, and yes. the answer is absolutely. Very true. I can't, I tell you even now, there are so many times I've gone into the park and never gone on one ride. But see, you have a pass. Okay. You have a Disney annual pass and there's many, okay. And you can go anytime you want, but like for me, I go from a long distance, right? Yeah. So, and I don't go, I, I, I rarely go on rides now because it's just too difficult for me. And I have to say that I still... There is so much I can do and there's so much enjoyable things that I can do. Um, and so, and you know, I'm, I'm cheap. I mean, I'm like, God, this, you know, am I getting my money's worth? And so I always, I, I know that there's many people who say, gosh, I only got on, you know, four or five rides and you know, was it worth it? You know? And I'm like, did you do all these other things? I mean, did you yeah. find those, those other things that are not, you know, that hour and a half standing in line and driving yourself crazy. Well, and to your point, Carol, um, sometimes family members want to go along and they can't go on the rides. 
Right. But the yeah. shared experience of things like the shows and other elements at Disneyland make it so worth going. Yeah. Regardless. Very much so. Because I think you're saying that with your granddaughter, you're not going to be able to go on all the rides that she goes on, right? Yeah. I, I think I probably go on maybe three rides with her now. You know, I, I try to do Dumbo. Even that's getting really difficult for me. Um, small World. Small World is great because um, they I can now take my scooter and they have a, a boat that I can actually just take my scooter right onto this, onto the yep. boat. And, um, so it's ADA compliant that way. Um, which is wonderful for me because I was having a lot, um, a lot of difficulty getting from the, the seat of the s- small world out of the boat. Um, mm-hmm. um, because I have, um, tumors in my legs. And so, um, it's, it was very difficult to do that. So, um, small and small world is like one of her absolute favorite, you know? Um, so that's a great ride for me to go on with her. Um, and I do, um, haunted mansion because they will stop the ride for me and, um, allow me to get onto the ride. And then, um, I'll go all the way around and then, um, I get to go back up the elevator. So, so you get to see how it, what it looks like when it goes back up then. Oh yeah, that's, cool. that's, a, that's a very, that's an incredible story. I'll tell you about sometime when I <laughs> when I did that with Bob Gurr. Oh my so, gosh, how fun! And Bob Gurr had never done that, and you know he was like shocked. He he thought you know it was a very cool experience. <laughs> but that'll be my tease for another story. Yeah. Tabling that for definitely. <laughs> well, I think Carol, that's a great place to wrap up our first ladies show, and. I think if, you know, certainly we'd love listener feedback. Um, if you guys want us to keep going with these topics, you know, packing, having a day in the park, um, you know, without an attraction, you know, being pregnant in the parks, being, you know. Oh, gosh, there's so many. Of there's, course, Carol there's, um, is the wealth of disability yes. information and, <laughs> and tips. Um, going to the park and with even, small you know, children. Yep, doing the park, of course, with small children, doing the park with your teenagers. Mm-hmm. I can tell you another yeah. one, being a grandmother and shopping with a grandchild. Because, oh my gosh, yeah. Let me tell you, you want to give them everything in the world and you got to learn not to do that. So, oh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> especially you, when I we've spoiled ourselves. on that. <laughs> Uh, you know, especially since, I mean, shopping, that's a whole nother ball game. I mean, all of us come from a Disney-loving background, and we have certainly indulged ourselves in Disney items oh, yes. <laughs> for years. <laughs> so, you know, we have so many things we can talk about, and we would love to talk about them for you. So if you guys have any specific ideas, we always love hearing about you guys from ideas. If you want us to do a Q&A, you know, give us some feedback. Let us know. Visit our Facebook page, um, both the main Diz page, the Diz, and our Diz Unplug fan page. And... Also, you know, visit the Diz on Twitter. You're welcome to follow all of us on Facebook and Twitter. And they can always also send an email to, um, yep, dlpodcast at wdwinfo.com to ask questions. And we all see those. Yeah, that goes to the whole team so that we can see any requests. And I can get that information from my husband, Michael. So that would be, um, awesome. that would be great if you want to um, address something to me. 
Um, if you had a specific question about, you know, yep. specifically about disability, probably more than anything, um, if you send it through Michael, I'll be happy to try to respond back to you. Yep. And I think that'll do it. Thank you, ladies. Thank and you for inviting me. Oh, you are welcome. And thank you for being a regular part if we continue to do this. Because we are enjoy, we always enjoy having you around, yes. Carol. Just as much as we love Michael. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Michael wouldn't be half of what he is without you. Well, we've been together a long time, so we're, we're a good team. Okay, well, now it is time for this week in Disney history. And Craig, since you're going to be at Disneyland, I thought I had to throw a, a few uh, theme park yeah. events in in this week and there was a whole lot oh, only fitting on. yeah so anyway so you all set i think so i think okay. i'm ready to go okay great all right so for march 31st disneyland's version of this walt disney world attraction closed its doors on march 31st 2015 what attraction closed its doors Hmm. Um. I can I can give you a hint if you want one. Sure. It was this the Walt Disney World version was at Epcot. Oh, um, I'm Captain EO. No, no, no it was Disneyland's version of Interventions. Oh. Yeah, and this was in Tomorrowland. It was a two-story museum. Of course, it was in the old Carousel of Progress building. And it first opened on July 3rd, 1998 as part of the new Tomorrowland. And it was supposed to focus on near-futuristic technologies. Uh, the attraction operated for almost 17 years, although from 2013 until it closed, it its focus mainly shifted to character meet and greets featuring superheroes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, well, that was that. Yeah. I don't think anybody misses it. Yeah, I no, I can <laughs> understand. Yeah, I think I went in there like two or three times at the most in mm-hmm. the seventeen years, and it just got sadder and sadder as it limped along. Yeah. So. Okay, April first, April Fool's Day. Guests gathered at the Magic Kingdom on April 1st, 2001 for the last run of what beloved attraction or tradition? Mm. And some people might regard it as an attraction. The last run in 2001? Correct. I'm... I'm going to go with the guess and, well, I'm going to tease it before. Did it eventually come back? Oh, it, this thing just, it, it was like a cat back. in nine lives. I'm going to say it was the Main Street Electrical Parade. It was. Yeah. It was. And the, the Spectra Magic Parade um, will return to the Magic Kingdom the next day, uh, I think, to take its place. So, and Spectra yeah. Magic, I think, had been on hiatus for like two years. Yeah, because we only got we only got Main Street Electrical Parade for the Millennium Celebration. Mm-hmm. Plus, <laughs> yeah, and then of course, you know, uh, Disney's California Adventure needed a shot in the arm, 
so it you know yeah. traversed the country <laughs> to to come over there. So, all right, for April second, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color television series airs an episode titled "A Salute to Alaska" with Ludwig von Drake on April second, nineteen sixty seven. What else is noteworthy about this episode? Well, if it's 1967, I'm going to say it was maybe Walt's last episode. You're correct. This is Walt Disney's final introduction for his series. Walt had passed away less than four months earlier, and there will be no regular host for the remainder of this series' original run. It must. It was very surreal after he passed away to still see him on television. Yeah, no, so, I, yeah. I, I can only imagine. So, I mean, yeah. it kind of still is even now. So, just mm-hmm. because of how enigmatic he was on TV. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. So. Okay, April third. What Fantasyland attraction closed at Disneyland on April 3rd, 1966? But Walt would soon find another home for this attraction. I think I know what this is because Mm -hmm. maybe I've absorbed some of the knowledge you've put out before. But (laughs) I think this was the Midget Autopia. You're correct. That's right. It closed to clear the way for uh, the It's a Small World, uh, you know, walkway and esplanade. Um, it first made its debut in 1957. It is the third and smallest of all the Utopia tracks at the park. Walt Disney will donate the Midget Utopia to his boyhood hometown of Marceline, Missouri, where it will be installed in a park named in his honor. Okay. Doing really well. Okay. All right, April 4th, this Disney animator and technical genius won an Oscar for Scientific or Technical Class 3 for the design of an optical printer for special effects at the 32nd Annual Academy Awards held at the RKO Pantages Theater in Los Angeles on April 4th, 1960. To whom did the Oscar go to? I don't know. It was someone very close to Walt. As a hint. Hmm. Um. I'm going to just let you tell me on this one. Okay. Up Iwerks. Yeah, he he um and and I'm going to read yeah. what an optical printer is, and then you can probably explain it in a way we can understand. Um, okay, it says an optical printer is a camera and one or more projectors operating in tandem, which makes it possible to photograph a photograph. Common optical effects include fade-outs and fade-ins, dissolves, slow motion, fast motion, and matte work. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I can help you on what fade-outs and fade-ins, mm-hmm. dissolve slow motion, fast motion, and matte work are, mm-hmm. but I'm not I'm not quite sure what the optical printer is. That's something yeah. that I haven't really ever, ever learned about in my day. But obviously, fade-outs okay. fade and fade-ins, or it can be... It's, it's that 
in it goes in tandem with dissolve. So fade outs mm-hmm. would be going from either white or black, or from going to the picture to white or black, and then fade mm-hmm. ends. Same goes dissolve is dissolving two scenes between each other. So instead of a hard cut, just that slow molding where you start to see the next scene come in as the next ones faded out. I don't think I have to explain slow motion or fast motion and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mat work is you know that's now in a grander sense modern day thinking of like chroma key that's all done using using mat work so um green screen stuff so just yeah. to keep it broad without sitting here being a nerd all night but yeah i've never uh I've, I've never really read up on an optical printer so i'm not i'm not super aware of it so yeah and i don't know if it's still even used today but it's interesting but yeah, Ub, um, yeah, Ub until really the end of his time was working on all kinds of new inventions and things for the studio. So, um, but and it's also noteworthy is what else had been nominated from the Disney Studio in this year: um, Sleeping Beauty, Noah's Ark, Donald in Math Magic Land, and Mysteries of the Deep. They all lost to their competition but i mean that was a big year of nominations for the walt disney studio okay um april 5th a modified version of a disneyland attraction opened on april 5th 1998 at walt disney world's magic kingdom so what opened and i'll give you a hint we both despised it (laughs) I think this was during the dark years of me where <laughs> my family somehow had the nerve to not take us between 1996 and 2000 and enrich our brains by taking us to other places like New York City, Washington, D.C. and Colorado, you know, it's and where? California even. <laughs> um, so I missed out on a lot of Disney during those four years. But I think one of the things that we were most disappointed and offended with when we came back was uh, Enchanted Tiki Room with uh, with Zazu and Yago um, yeah. under new management. That is right. That is absolutely correct. And the attraction originally opened as Walt Disney's Tropical Serenade back on... It was there for opening day, October 1st, 1971. Oh. And um, thank goodness it's back. In, in pretty close to its original version. So, um, anyway. All right, April 6th. On April 6th, 1990, the Blue Ribbon Bakery opened on Disneyland's Main Street, USA. What shop did it replace? Uh, um... And this was one of, um, I'll give you a hint. This was one of Walt's favorite Places to go early in the morning when he was staying in his apartment. Even before the park opened. Uh, I don't know. I'm in your... You're confusing me by even saying that, too. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. The Sun-Kissed Citrus House. 
Uh, I wouldn't have got that in a million years. Oh, okay. Yeah, he would. He would sometimes go down there in his slippers and pajamas and robe to make fresh orange juice. Oh, that's and if incredible. there were any, and if there were any workers on Main Street, he'd invite them in and and just chat with them about, hey, what they think of the park, what's going on, hey, what do you do? And he'd make them all fresh orange juice. <laughs> oh, please tell me that there's a photo somewhere out there of him uh, wearing it. Oh, there are photos of him wandering the park and. And in the citrus house and all that. I don't know if he's in his robe and pajamas and all that. But That's what people I People talked about it <laughs> all the time. And then he'd go and um, to the Hills Brothers Coffee House and he'd make coffee and stuff like that. He had keys to everything. So he yeah. just let himself in. So, okay, bonus points. Do you know what it is today? Because it's not the Blue Ribbon Bakery anymore because, you know, we have the Jolly Holiday Bakery, you know, in the hub. Yeah, um... It, it's actually reverted back to what it had been ages ago. I don't... I, I'm really unsure of. I don't because when... I probably would have seen the bakery when I came in 1999. But then since I've been visiting Disneyland, I believe it's been the Starbucks ever since for like that. So if it was there before, I'm not sure. But nothing nothing has altered on Main Street since I've been going. Okay. So it It's now the indoor seating area of the Carnation Cafe. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, and and the and the Blue Ribbon Bakery what when it was there, the Carnation Cafe was outdoor seating. There's this whole backstory of this European family, husband and wife, who came over and they brought all their recipes with them and opened the bakery. The husband opened the bakery and the wife opened the little cafe and it was with her recipes and it was named after her favorite flower, carnation. And then as things moved around, um, it, it, it be, there was indoor seating for the Carnation Cafe and outdoor seating. And then at one point, Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor was in there. And anyway, then when um, yeah, when when the Market House converted over to Starbucks, Jolly Holiday Bakery moved. Um, it it reverted back to the indoor seating for the Carnation Cafe. So. Um, which is how it about I remember yeah. for years the Carnation Cafe was indoor and outdoor. Yeah, it's that is all beyond my level, but you taught me something new, so thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, things moved around all over the place <laughs> on Main Street USA. Clearly. Yeah, so and that was it. You did really well. So um, Yeah, you know, a couple couple stumbles there, but okay for the yeah. most part. But see, now you can dazzle people. You can dazzle the rest of the Diz team when you oh, walk yeah. in and say, hey, did you know what this was? You know, <laughs> And I'm sure they'll be just as impressed as when I tell them. I'm pretty sure they'll probably <laughs> just keep walking and assume that <laughs> I didn't say anything. But <laughs> Well, that's what they do yeah. when I say. <laughs> anyway. Well, Craig, I hope you have a magical time at Walt's Park. Now, yeah. what are some of your must-dos when you're at Disneyland? Oh, well, we know we know how much I love getting a corn dog. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that's always the the one must-do over everything else, and then a mint julep as well too. Even the new recipe, and for for those of you who always, uh, you know. 
give Rhino a hard time saying, oh, how much he loves mint juleps and all that. Let's just remember that uh, he didn't love mint juleps until I taught him what mint juleps were. So he mm-hmm. learned from the master in that case. And I've learned from the people who came before me. So um, it's... Yeah, I think, I think I was there when you introduced it to him. We were doing one of yeah. those seven and sevens. And he had his first sip. Were we in... Were we in... Um, Oh, I forgot what restaurant. We were in, in Carnation. Or not were Carnation, Car- sorry. No. Uh, Cafe Orleans. Cafe Orleans. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was like his eyes lit up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that first Sunday. I was sitting across from him. Yeah. Yeah, no. Say, for me, it was already, already years of obsession. And then he just learned about it. But apparently everyone attached it to him. I'm not bitter about it. I just I need to make <laughs> sure that everyone knows that it's... <laughs> It was my thing that I lent to him. So, mm-hmm. uh, and he tried to take corn dogs too, and I just won't let that happen. Um, no. And, oh no, you, corn dogs are yours. The red wagon. Uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it, it's the ultimate. So, and uh, you know, I <laughs> it's always it always comes around to food all the time. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I've been on a big hook of chimichangas the past couple trips, and. Um, I, I like the elote, but I prefer I prefer um, when Carsland is doing the the cups of corn instead. So it's nothing against the elote, but I hate that like you I get have... your corn on the cob and then you have to put your own mayonnaise on it and tahini and then. Okay, uh, I, I don't know cheese. what elote is. It's uh, Mexican street corn. So oh. uh, your corn on the cob and then smothered in mayonnaise and then the tahini lime. Uh, lime spicy kind of oh. seasoning and then uh, a little bit of cojita cheese so it's absolutely you, delicious it's you just it, said all kinds of new words for me i, <laughs> That's I love amazing. mexican food so i do much. too but wow i guess i just don't wander the streets picking up strange corn i mean i don't know it's <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things that's you have it somewhere where it's really good and then you want it everywhere you go and it's not always great but i i do like getting it out in disneyland because i feel like if at any point in time i'm justified of getting it in the united states at least like california is pretty close by to to mexico so um that's that's my weird way of of saying why i should get it but really it's just because i love buttered corn with mayonnaise and I have never had stuff. it with maids. I have to try that. When oh, I'm out there. it's good. It's it's good. It's it's not life changing, but it for me when I'm eating Mexican food, sometimes I'm like, I don't want chips and salsa. I don't want rice. I want a side dish that isn't just what you normally get. And so it's I'm like, well, what am I going to make? Well, I'm going to make street corn, and like that's hmm. my that's my go to to keep it not boring but uh <laughs> going off of that uh i also know i'm gonna have some fried chicken from the plaza i mm-hmm. gotta hit indiana jones at least once a day and yeah i'm just just my normal rides i like i like doing alice in wonderland at least once or twice and mm-hmm. getting getting in the classics so i'll probably spend a little bit of time in toontown this time around just because i'm starting to get worried that Maybe Toontown won't be around forever. So. It's looking a little sad right now. They yeah. need to spruce it up a bit. Yeah, so... Although, you know, there are all those rumors that um, 
the runaway railway is going in there, although I have absolutely no idea where. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've heard those two and heard where they said they were going to put it, and I'm not saying it's not correct at all, but um, that's like, even just in terms of theming in Toontown, that's a huge clash against yes. the themes. So I'm not saying, you know, Disney is really riding the track streak right now of of always that didn't even that words didn't work out for me there but you know there it doesn't surprise me anymore anytime they're like let's just break all theming and just go against it completely so maybe it will end up in there so you'll meet you'll meet one of the three mickeys in his outfit inside uh inside his house that are none of none of them look like he does and what runaway railway will look like and you'll just have to put up with it and say yeah it makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) well i hope you have a great time i i will find a way to have a good time out there i know you will it's hard all right well craig until next time how can our listeners connect with you as always, you can find me uh, on the different shows on the Diz Unplugged, the Walt Disney World Edition, Universal Edition, Best and Worst Walt Disney World, Disneyland Edition, and other random ones from time to time. And then always on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? You can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig both on Twitter at connecting walt if you would like to listen to more shows on the history of walt disney his studio his imagineers and disneyland check out our disneyland podcast archives for my disney history episodes at disunplug.com and look for past episodes of connecting with walt on itunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.